So um, this morning I'd like to introduce, explore compassion um, as a practice and as a, a way of looking. So a way that we look at experience, at our experience, at the experience of life. And I was realizing for myself, you know, I'm saying to Caroline and Sampho, you know, I've, I think I've given quite a lot of teachings about compassion. And with that, you know, there can be a sense of, of kind of some, um, some familiarity with that, which might not be fully alive, yeah. So I actually wanted to begin by inviting you to feel what that word, what does compassion mean to you? Yeah, so just feeling for yourself and being really open to what comes up. And for a lot of us, um, you know, there might be confusion that comes up about what that actually is, or there might be some sense of some ideal or there might be some form of maybe contraction that comes up around this word of like, oh, I haven't got this, and I don't know what it is, or I'm not good enough at it, or any anything else. Yeah, there can be a huge range. So just wanting you to feel, what, what does compassion mean to you? What does that bring up when we bring that word in? And if it's possible, as we've been doing, just to acknowledge what comes up, just to give it space, just to allow it, meet it. Breathe with it. And so I just want that to be there, you know, as kind of the, the foundation of, of the practice today is, is whatever we notice in relation to this idea, to this word, just to know that that's, that's how I'm meeting it right now. So we've said this a couple of times, and I'm going to say it another time. Yeah. What I have found increasingly helpful with compassion is to really see that compassion is what naturally arises when that attitude of metta, the attitude of, um, of goodwill, of friendliness, of care, when that meets pain, suffering, difficulty, challenge in the world, in ourselves, in another. Compassion is that natural response. Okay, I think I, I, think I did it um, a couple of nights ago, that, that kind of automatic reaching out yeah, that we have. Yeah, that, ah. to soothe, to care, to alleviate, yeah, that, that movement. And another way that we can see it is like it's expanding, yeah, as we deepen into the practice, we're expanding the range of what we can meet, yeah, we're expanding the range of what we can meet with care, with friendliness, or as one of my teachers used to say without freaking out yeah or without freaking out too much <laughs> yeah so we're expanding the range if that any of that is helpful then just kind of feel free to to adopt that yeah to that to absorb that and of course what I've just described is, you know, many of you have been speaking about actually already doing it. So it's not, not as new as it may, you know, we might want it to be. So just through what we've been doing so far, 
Yeah, meeting, acknowledging what is arising with a sense of friendliness, with a sense of acceptance, with a sense of goodwill. We've also been meeting, you know, some less pleasant things in that way, been meeting some difficult things in that way. And many people have been reporting that. Doesn't need to be dramatic, it might just be, you know, a, a state of boredom, you know. Which sometimes, you know, when you're sitting here in the hall and it feels like it's only been three minutes into the sit, can be really like a lot of suffering around that, no? <laughs> like, how am I going to survive 42 more minutes with this boredom? And I'm not, you know, laughing at you. I know that, you know, as that can be. And then meeting that with that sense of welcoming and that brings some sense of space some sense of ease, some sense of uh, sometimes release or relief. Yeah. So, you know, I think probably everybody here, you've already been doing this to some degree, even a little bit. Just meeting experience in that way. So... As we're kind of deepening into the practice and into this exploration, we can kind of notice or be interested in, reflect, to use the word Caroline was using last night, reflect on what is it that actually happens in that process. Yeah, this is, this is meaningful to do. What is it that actually happens? So, as I've already kind of said, just from people's experience, a sense of release, relief, and we can call it the decrease in the problematic aspect of our experience. Yeah. So, we might still be feeling bored, yeah, or, you know, there might still be a physical pain or discomfort, or the mind might still feel fuzzy and unclear, whatever, you know, whatever it is that we're experiencing, but as we meet it with that friendliness, or with that allowance, just that acknowledgement, ah, this is here. As this space opens, there's a release in contraction, and I'll speak about that more. And with that, a reduction in the sense of this is a problem. Yeah, reduction in the sense of this is a problem. And when there's less, when that happens, less sense of this is a problem, that can bring even more release. Yeah, even more relief, even more space, even more ease. Okay, so it's kind of a something that feeds itself. But this is, you know, really important insight for us to see that the problem is not in the thing. Right? It's not inherently a problem. And that gives us a lot more options on how to respond to, to our experience. So it can be helpful here to just kind of bring in, just to reflect. So, you know, talking about opening to experience and particularly opening to, you know, the painful, the difficult in our experience in life, in the world. So we're talking about opening to that in, in new ways or different ways. So it can be helpful to reflect on what are the habitual ways that we respond, yeah? Both individually and kind of what's the shared way that as humans we respond to pain and difficulty. So the most common way is that we tense up. Yeah. It can be, you know, something, a physical thing. It can be a mental thing. It can be something that we see in the world or in someone else. And the habitual way that we respond is a contraction and a tensing up. And I mentioned that already. 
But I really need to highlight it today. Really important to see this. Contraction. Yeah, we do it in the body around physical pain. We do it mentally and emotionally around anything that we find difficult. And this is not, you know, because we want to hurt ourselves. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a defense mechanism that's just not working very well a lot of the time. Yeah, so we're kind of trying to keep ourselves safe. I think, again, it's helpful to see that. Yeah, we're trying to keep ourselves safe. We're trying to keep the pain contained in this area so that it doesn't spread. Yeah, we're trying to keep ourselves safe. So, you know, so we contract to contain the pain or we contract to push it away, yeah? Some form of aversion. Or we have avoidance strategies, yeah? Distractions, restlessness. Um, the, my, one of my favorites, I'm, I'm a great expert at this, fixing and solving, yeah? Fixing and solving strategies. I think this is another story that Sharon Salzberg tells about, you know, having a lot of physical pain early on in on her retreats and just spending, you know, months and months on retreat making plans about all the yoga um, retreats and trainings she was going to do so that she would have this really flexible body, pain-free. Yeah. And so that's, again, an extreme thing. But we all do that. Oh, there's a problem. Let's fix it. And we kind of move away. We avoid the direct meeting with what is here. And we're actually then avoiding our life. Yeah, We're going off to somewhere else. So these are all forms of, of some degree of, of aversion that comes in as a way of... of um, kind of dealing with. That's how we know to deal with the difficult and the painful in life. It's some way of getting rid of it, trying to get rid of it. And if you look at this in your own experience, what you might notice that it actually does completely the opposite. Yeah tends to actually increase increase the levels of, of dukkha. I'll just use the Pali word, D-U-K-K-H-A, which instead of kind of keep saying a whole list, you know, pain, suffering, discomfort, disease, unsatisfactoriness, you know, a whole range, we'll just say dukkha. So all our strategies of avoiding, of pushing away, of contracting, of fixing and solving are useful to a degree some of the time, but we really tend to overuse them. Yeah, they become such a strong habit and they actually then bring more dukkha. Yeah, just with that example that I gave of some cases of physical pain, yeah, where 70% of the pain is the contraction in the body and the mind around the physical event, yeah, it increases the suffering. So hopefully I've managed to depress you sufficiently by now. It's not the intention, of course. It's kind of useful for us just to see, and if we can stay open and interested in the, okay, this is the human experience, yeah, this is the human experience. You know, not just our own, but all humans. We share this. We share this. But it's not kind of the end all. <laughs> yeah. Again, this is where practice comes in. This is where the teachings come in. This is where there is so much possibility. We see clearly and we learn to attend to experience in different ways. I think I spoke on, well, at some point, about really seeing the, the Brahma Viharas, the immeasurables, seeing them as ways of looking, yeah, lenses that we can apply to experience that can really support us 
in attending differently, yeah, and in opening up the possibilities of response to our experience. And I really want to remind of that and to see compassion as um, as a really useful tool, yeah, a really useful way of looking in this in this regard. Very much rooted in these understandings of interconnectedness, mutuality, conditioned nature of things. Yeah. So a lot of what happens with this contraction is we feel we need to protect from something because we feel a threat from something that we see as solid and permanent. Yeah. And if we can open and allow the movement of life, and compassion can really help us in doing that. So if I had to kind of say in one sentence what compassion offers is that it offers us the possibility um, not to shut life out. Because when we shut any aspect of life out, then we're shutting down. Yeah, We are shutting down. So it really offers us that, that possibility. So we're opening, we're acknowledging, okay, life includes what we don't want. It includes the difficult, includes dukkha. We're acknowledging that it is here. And we stay open, which allows life to move. Yeah. And actually both opens us and strengthens us. So in, in Pali, in the teachings, there's two different Pali words that are translated into English as compassion. And I want to just mention both of them. It's helpful to kind of know both and feel the resonance of each. Um, the first one is um, anukampa. And it literally means uh, the quivering of the heart in response to suffering or to pain. So that resonance, that movement in the heart when we meet pain, difficulty, suffering in ourselves or another. It's that resonance. And it really connects us to our own sense of care. Yeah. So we feel that trembling or quivering in the heart when we meet suffering. And before that response of, you know, I've got to stay safe, yeah, this might be really painful, close down, if we can feel that, that is our own sense of, of caring, yeah, that's metta, that's love, in there, so if we can feel that, that's where it becomes a strength for us, and it connects us to each other. Yeah, connects us to the fact that we're not alone. Yeah, in the world we're not alone in this human experience. Yeah, the fact that we, the heart quivers in response to someone or something else. We're not alone. That's a direct experience of interconnection. So that's really, you know, wow. <laughs> People spend, you know, a lot of hours on a cushion trying to get that experience, and yet there it is, you know. In everyday situations, we can feel that. Yeah, we can feel that. And so one of the biggest teachings of compassion is this, that this is not mine, it's ours, you know. Sometimes call it kinship, what we share, what we share. The second word, Pali word, that's translated as compassion is karuna. And that's the, that's the kind of word um, for compassion as one of the immeasurables. And karuna has this um, responsive quality. 
to it. So it comes from the root kara, K-A-R-A, which means to do, yeah, or to act. So it's not just the, the you know, we have that sense of resonance, but we also have that, and this is also the, the psychological way com- compassion is used in English. Um, it also has that response, yeah, that, that movement to respond to the suffering. Yeah, so it includes that. So it's kind of, you can say, the more active form of compassion. And feeling that, you know, and again, what happens to us in, in that process? Like often we, there's that movement to respond and then we freeze. Do you know this in your experience? Because we don't know what to do or we think, you know, what we can do is not enough. Yeah. Yeah, so we freeze. But if we can just connect to that movement, again, it connects us to our own goodness. Yeah, to that goodness that Caroline was speaking about last night. Connects us to the wholesome. Yeah, just that movement, if we can allow ourselves to feel it and acknowledge it, deeply transformative to just allow that movement just to feel it so there's many ways we can practice this and like we've been saying you know up till now the encouragement continues to be to do what works for you, yeah. So I'll be offering some ways of of practicing this morning. And if you already have a compassion practice or a self-compassion practice, or you find something else that works for you, just feel really, really encouraged to, to go with that, yeah. Go with what works. And so... As I said at the beginning, we've already been, you know, already been including the compassion in our practice and you can continue doing that. Yeah, so meeting painful, the difficult with that sense of metta and welcoming. Yeah, that can already, that's already naturally becomes compassion through that meeting. Does that make sense to people? Yeah, good. So if that's all you remember, that's fine. You can delete the rest of the recording from your mind. A second way that we can do this practice is that we can notice the way we contract. Yeah, notice and acknowledge. Yeah, there's some difficulty here and there's actually a contraction with that difficulty. It can be in the body and it can be in the mind. Yeah, so we notice and we acknowledge and we can welcome that. Yeah, we can bring that attitude of friendliness to that. And we can also play with inviting that contraction to relax. Yeah, so we can do that through relaxing the body. We can do that with just kind of with the breath touching that area of contraction. We can do that with something Joseph Goldstein calls relaxing the heart. We just have that sense of just relaxing, that tensing. Yeah. And we can also, another thing we can do is we can cultivate compassion as, um, this is a Christina Feldman um, phrase. She speaks of the immeasurables as attitudinal, I think she made up that word, attitudinal commitments. And it's kind of a really long word, but I find that really, really helpful. Yeah, commitment to an attitude. Yeah, which kind of goes, connects to this different lenses we can bring. So how do I bring compassion and how do I generate and nourish compassion in me so that as Caroline was saying last night it becomes more readily available 
to me. It becomes kind of more a automatic response, habitual response, a positive habit. Yeah, so we can also do that. And I mean, that's happening through all the other ways that I've already described, but we can kind of also bring that a little bit more to the fore. So really important to say at this point before we engage with the practice that there's no hierarchy in any of the practices that we're offering. Yeah? So I've just kind of spoken of kind of three approaches we can say to the compassion practice and we've done did different approaches to metta yesterday and there's the breath and the body, whatever practices you have um, already. No hierarchy, okay? Our mind will naturally go to, I should be doing it like this. Yeah, or I'm still at level, you know, minus six. And that's just the mind doing its thing, but there's no hierarchy. So really give yourself the freedom to explore, to find what works, and to, to be appropriate to your experience. And again, one of the immeasurable qualities of these practices is that they're always applicable. So sometimes with the compassion, you know, we might feel that we're pushing ourselves too much and we get into some kind of inner storm. We can bring the compassion to ourselves. We can come back to metta. We can come back to the breath or the body to create more space or to relax. Yeah, so we always have these options. We have the whole field of possibilities. And the second thing that's really important with this is not to push. Yeah, don't push. Go at a speed that is suitable for you. So I think I said it yesterday, it's absolutely fine to be here for the whole week and if what's appropriate for you is to do mindfulness of breathing, then that's what you do. Yeah. And if you just do metta for yourself, that's what you do. Yeah. So don't push. Play, be creative, be experimental, but listen. Yeah. Listen to yourself. That's the most important skill we're developing. Yeah. That skill of listening. I always feel a sense of relief when I get to the end of my notes and we can finally begin to practice. <laughs> so, if you um, still have about half an hour, so if you, if you want to stand up or stretch any part of the body before you settle into your meditation posture, then feel really welcome to do that. And then when you're ready, settle back. And just bringing the attention to the body and taking the time you need to really settle into the posture. Getting as supported, stable, steady as you can in the posture and you know, as we do that we can really do this with an attitude of kindness and compassion for the body and appreciation actually for the body 
That's really allowing and supporting us to be here and to practice. So, gently, kindly, compassionately settling into the posture, feeling into the body. And settling the attention in the body, either grounding in the body or with the breath. Seeing if it's possible for you to Really be gently in the body, present in the body, whatever way is helpful for you to do that can be the contact areas, can be a wider sense of body awareness. And be the flow of the breathing. As the breath energy fills the body. And then empties out. Bringing a sense of relaxation. And expansion to the body. Really meeting the body experience in this moment. You can gently bring the attention to the top of the head and in your own time, just let the awareness flow down through the body from the top of the head down. Just meeting, making contact with the bodily life, with the different sensations. And if anywhere, at any time, you meet an area of discomfort or tension, can be helpful if this is a relatively mild form of pain or tension, not the most intense one. Just bringing the attention to that area. Seeing if you can just allow and welcome it to be. Just acknowledging this is here. There is tension here, there is pain here. Just feeling it, seeing if we can welcome it and if we can invite it to relax and to ease to any degree. And we can stay with that place, just inviting it to relax, relaxing the body around that area. Seeing if there's any change. And in your own speed, your own rhythm, you can let the awareness flow through the body, 
noticing different areas of tension. Seeing what happens if we acknowledge the presence, if we can welcome them. Meet them with a friendly attitude. Invite the body to relax and let go as much as is possible. And then noticing the effect of that. And you can also do this same process using just a uh, just three kind of steps. I'll offer, and you can try out, see if this is helpful. The first one is just to acknowledge, ah, this is difficult, or this is unpleasant, or this is painful. Just acknowledging that. And the second step is just remembering that everyone experiences difficulty, experiences pain. So not doing that in a way that negates your experience or pushes it away, but just as a way of opening up the perspective. This is not just my pain. Others know this too. And the third step is just to drop in the question, can this be an opportunity for tender concern? Or you can change the words to fit for yourself. Can this be an opportunity for tender concern? Can this be an opportunity for care? Just dropping in that question. So you can do this process with particular body sensations or with a kind of overall sense of maybe tiredness or sluggishness in the body. or a sense of agitation in the body. We can also bring it to kind of more mental states. You know, if there's resistance or if there's sluggishness, lack of clarity in the mind. What happens if I just acknowledge that this is here And it's difficult. But this is something that all beings, all human beings experience. And dropping in the question, can this be an opportunity? for tenderness, for tender concern, for care. So we can apply this to whatever arises, mental, emotional, physical.
feel what the effect is, if there is any. Now checking for yourself how you are with the practice, really kind of taking it at your own speed. Seeing if it's possible to bring to awareness Someone with whom you have an easy relationship, a relatively simple relationship. Someone for whom you naturally feel that sense of care. Might be somebody that you know, might be someone that you don't know, but you know their life circumstances are difficult. And bringing them to mind, particularly somebody who's experiencing some difficulty in their life. Just taking a few moments to hold that person or that being in your awareness. And to open to the fact that they are experiencing some difficulty, some challenge some pain in their lives, whether something you know about or you don't. Noticing the effect that meeting, that opening has on you. Just noticing without judgment, there's any kind of tensing up or contraction, or if there's any movement resonance of the heart in response, so there's probably both. So noticing that. Allowing that, relaxing any tension as much as you can. Opening to the other's situation and just acknowledging that this, whatever you're experiencing, is difficult. Whatever you're facing right now is difficult. And I and all other beings, we experience difficulty also. And may this be an opportunity for both of us. An opportunity for tenderness, for concern, for care. So staying with that and staying really open to feel the impact. Remembering at any point if you feel overwhelmed in any way or that it's too intense, you can bring the focus of the compassion practice back to your own experience. It's not separate.
And then gently letting go of this person or being, just coming back to the body sense. Acknowledging what is present for you. Allowing it as much as possible, softening with it as much as possible. Whatever is here. So you can also, and this can be incredibly helpful sometimes, use phrases um, for the compassion practice. And in my own experience, particularly when I'm really at an edge with something, yeah, it the phrases can be like um, a real support, yeah, a real support of just connecting to that intention of compassion. So I'll put some phrases up on the board, um, including the that kind of three-step thing that we did now, and then also some phrases that you can use if you wish, and obviously you're welcome to, to use other phrases as well, whatever comes up. But yeah, to really say they can be really supportive um, in the practice when we're facing something that feels, um, yeah, to some degree, you know, overwhelming or more intense, a real resource. So I've said this already, but I can't highlight it enough, so I'll say it again. Really go slow with this, yeah. Don't push, yeah, don't push. And remember that this is, um, I think Caroline said it on the first night maybe even, that the practice, our practice is very much about listening, really about listening. And when we get to, the, to compassion, that is so significant. Yeah, we're listening to life, we're listening to ourselves. Yeah, that's, a, that's how we deepen, that's how we understand. Yeah, as we listen. That's how we widen um, the field of what we can open to. And what we might notice um, is, our, again, all our, our habitual ways of, of relating to the difficult. Yeah. So often and this not to downplay this this can be very useful but the habitual thing is you know we the suffering here okay we mobilize yeah you know that we mobilize so that we can act noticing that yeah seeing the beauty in the aspiration seeing where it's useful but also really prioritizing taking it slowly yeah it's a great gift of practice that we can take things slowly yeah, give it more time. Give it more time. And so remembering, you know, as I, this is really important for me to emphasize this with compassion, it's not passive. Yeah, it's not passive, but action can take many forms. Yeah, so it very much has karuna, this particular aspect of compassion, has this active responding aspect to it, but that can take many, many forms. So stay open to what these forms can be. 
and really prioritize listening. And I kind of remembered this um, story that someone shared with me, which really highlights this. Um, so this is someone who uh, works for one of the of the international, very large international aid organizations. Um, and her work is not field work. She works in research, so seeing, kind of researching what programs are needed and then what impact programs have that they do. So it's not in the field. And early on in her career, she had an experience of going out into the field um, and then being asked by the recipients of you know, the, the programs the, that the aid was intended for, being asked for things that she could not deliver, yeah, because that, that's not her responsibility or where she has any impact. And that was a very traumatic experience for her. She felt like she really let them down. And so she then for years avoided ever going into the field again. And so she stayed disconnected from the heart calling, you know, she was doing this in order to help, but she never met the people that she was helping or supporting. And so after, you know, doing, um, I think, kind of a retreat like this and really working more with the immeasurables, she was in East Africa um, doing some research for one, some of the programs she was involved in, and suddenly, you know, someone really asked her, come out to meet these people, you know, come out to meet these people. And she, you know, could feel her, what had become a habit of, no, I can't do this, this will be too much, it'll be too painful. And she could feel this and open it and allow it, and she decided to go. Yeah, she decided to go. And this was an area where there'd been drought for, I think, maybe, I can't remember, 10 years, really long time. So nothing was growing there. Nothing. And um, the people, you know, were living in these huts made of, um, you know, rubbish, essentially, you know, pieces of plastic. And because there was no, the, the traditional materials, the natural materials weren't there anymore. And so she came to meet them and um, all the able-bodied people were out searching for food and water. So she met with all the elderly people and the women who had children too young to leave. And she had an interpreter and was sitting together and having, you know, what ended up being a really, really um, wonderful interaction and sharing and towards the end of that, she felt a kind of inner calling to, to say to them, you know, to say, look, you know, I'm really limited in what I can do, but what do you need from me? Yeah. She wanted to give them the opportunity to tell her what they needed. And one of the elders got very excited at this point and she said he started talking really quickly and going like this, pointing at his eyes and talking really, really quickly and she was trying to understand and the interpreter was kind of not managing to keep up and all the other people were nodding along and really kind of visibly agreeing with what this elder was saying and eventually things calmed down enough that she could get the translation and what this old man was saying to her was, we want you to see us. We ask you to see us. And we ask you to tell the world, tell others about what you've seen. And that is so often what we need, yeah. If we reflect on our own experience, 
when we're facing difficulty. That is so often what we need. doesn't matter. We cannot measure suffering. Really important to remember. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not, you know, that if we have a home and have running water and have enough food, our suffering is less. Really important to remember. But so often what supports us, what helps us, what we really need is to be seen, to be heard, yeah, to be acknowledged. So we can feel that, you know, we haven't got the resources to respond or we don't know what to do. And yet it can be as simple as that. And again, that's what we've been, people have already been experiencing here. You know, when we turn to our experience with that acknowledgement, the giving of space, that listening, that seeing, that can be enough. I mean, a lot more than enough. So remembering that, that emphasis, emphasis on listening and seeing with kindness. So through the day, yeah, letting ourselves see what touches us. Yeah? As we move through the day, we can let the practice kind of move with us from the meditation hall. Yeah? It's not just the formal sitting still looking at our experience, we can start, if you were not doing it already, really bringing it out. What touches us? You know, the way someone does their walking practice. The way the birds at Gaia House come so close. Yeah? Because this is a safe place. And they can feel that. Yeah? And we're all part of creating that. Whatever touches us, the way, you know, a flower grows out of a concrete, <laughs> you know, just noticing what touches us. The way someone does something for somebody else in silence. The really opening to that, that's all that quivering of the heart in response to life response to being alive. That's all part of our, you know, care, our sensitivity and our mutuality, what we share, our shared experience. So really kind of letting that be a thread through the day. Feeling that natural aspect of ourselves that wishes for all of us not to experience suffering. You know, we can allow that wish. We can allow that to be there. It's a beautiful aspect of our hum humanity. So bringing that into the process of our day, the unfolding of the day, bringing that also into the walking practice. Yeah. Really kind of that continuity with the walking can bring in the sense that just as we've been doing here, opening to whatever there is in experience where there's some dis-ease, some tension, some difficulty for ourselves or for another. You know, just like we've been doing with the metta, we could, you know, bring to mind, walk with or walk towards someone else that we know is going through some difficulty at this time. And we can also, with the walking and other possibilities, just letting our steps as we walk, letting them be steps of peace, letting them be steps of healing. Yeah. Feeling that care as we touch the earth. Yeah. Opening to the sounds of the world. Yeah. Letting them come and opening to that resonance in us that cares, that is touched, yeah, that shares. So compassion for self and for other. Stepping 
on the earth, stepping on the ground with peace, with care. And really noticing what happens. Yeah. Really noticing what happens as you do this. So, may this be a fruitful practice for all of us. And you're allowed to enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah. And you're also allowed to find it difficult. Just whatever is. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.